1: good morning everybody excuse me i have sniffles and uh so if i have to uh blow my nose every now and then please excuse me better that than having snot running out though so um yeah uh this morning we're just going to uh uh look at the word of god so before we do anything let's just pray So, Father, as we sung, Lord, we welcome your presence here, Father. We want a sense of your presence. We want to taste your presence, Lord. We want you glorified, Father. We want to know you more intimately this morning. So, Father, I pray, Lord, touch every heart, touch every soul, Lord. Encourage us, guide us, challenge us, and change us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. So this morning's message knowing God's intentions and are you ready? I don't know how we're going to go. I tried to get this message done over the especially over the weekend, but <clears throat> I was really sick a lot having lots of sleeps. But we'll go as God directs this morning. Okay. So we're going to turn to Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29. Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29. And it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. And now, some of us uh, have different interpretations of how communion should be done. And uh, various churches practice different things. And quite frankly, after 2,000 years of church traditions, there's a wee bit of confusion about communion. But Jesus used an important cultural tradition in the Last Supper to speak to his disciples that they definitely understood. But like I said, 2,000 years later, I think we've missed a few insights because the communion is actually... First and foremost, a proposal of marriage. And uh, weeks ago, when I felt the Lord wanted me to research this, and I did, I had a plan for another message this morning, but I really felt God wanted to do this message, and it just happened to coincide with Eden's and Isaac's engagement last night. So uh, it was um, by God's doing, not my my doing, that I'm talking about engagements according to the Lord's Word. So let's have some real serious time to think honestly. If I said to you that I have found in my studies that Jesus is going to return at the end of this March in 2020, would this really affect you? Think about it. Would you honestly do something differently? what things would you cease from doing right now because in a few weeks time you're going to stand before the lord and what things would you start doing would you make some changes in your life right now i think every one of us would if we we're honest but it also depends on how we see god do we see him as a thundering angry god Or is a lovely soft marshmallow God all gooey with love? What is God's image to you? Is he the holy God of light? Is he the great Santa Claus in the sky? Do some of you think he's the wrathful God? Is he the shepherd of his sheep? Or is he the friendly ogre like Shrek? Are God's intentions to you to dominate and destroy you or to love you? How do you really see God? A lot of times when things go wrong, we blame God. And just the other day, two days ago, in fact, I was going to the doctors and I was driving along the uh, uh, toll road doing 100k an hour and I was going to overtake a car in the right lane. I just felt that I should stay in the left lane. I don't know why. And um, all of a sudden... I heard a big bang and it felt like my back axle had broken and felt like I was going to lose control. I just gripped the steering wheel and the Lord helped me just bring the car to a slow stop and on the side of the toll road and my tyre was shredded. Um, And I thought, man, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I had two flat tyres, I had to replace the tyre and when I went to get them pumped up, the pumping machine at the petrol station was broken down. I thought, Lord, you've got to be joking. So here I was on the toll road. I was sick, feeling sick, hot. It was a hot morning and uh, no room to move on the toll road. And I had people tooting me, uh, getting angry at me. And I thought, well, you don't really choose a spot to have a blowout. You don't say, this might be a nice spot for a flat tire. You just, you've got to stop. And that's what I did, I stopped. then I had problems with the jacks, so I ended up having to use two jacks. And cars were coming. One big truck came so close, it was really um, amazing how close he came to me, I didn't realise. I'm trying to get this tyre off. I had just bought lunch after I'd seen the doctors and I was really hanging to get that. And then so I put the jacks on and of course my spare wheel is normally on the back. And so the uh, prongs for that spare wheel were sticking out. So when I got up, I banged my head really hard on that. And um, luckily, I'm a Christian. I said, Oh, praise the Lord. If you believe that, I got some land to sell you. No, I used a profanity and then straight away said, Oh, sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. I wasn't having a good morning. And so, as I was changing the tire, I wasn't blaming God and saying, You know, give me a break. I'm doing so much for you, Lord. You know, I was instead thanking God and saying, Thank you, Lord, you kept me safe. You kept me from having an accident. And then some guy in a truck pulled up behind me, which was good because he put his hazard lights on and he said, I'll I'll give you some room to move. So God looked after me. Um, Not exactly the way I wanted. I would have preferred to have the tire going. But um, God looked after me. And sometimes we see things, bad things, as God having a go at us or not looking after us. But many times, and I believe most times, God is actually looking after us. He is. A, it's just our perspective of how we see God. And, you know, the more we draw close to God, the more we start learning how small we are, how weak we are, how sinful we are, and the more we need to repent. A famous rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer, was asked by his disciples one day, he um, when is the best time to repent? And he said, that's easy. You repent the day before you die. And they said, how can you do that? Because no one knows when you die. And he said, that's the point. So you need to repent every day. You need to stay close to God. You need to have short accounts with the Lord. And that's what we should be learning to do, having short accounts. We need to learn to daily repent so we can be close to God I don't know if these are going to – oh, good. Okay, in Luke 5, 31, 32, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's not a once-off, because we all sin. Jesus is calling us to repent all the time. Ezra Taft Benson said, The proud do not change to improve, but they defend – their position by rationalizing. Repentance means change, and it takes a humble person to change. I hope that sounds like you. Billy Graham said, Every year during the High Holy Days, the Jewish community reminds us all of our need for repentance and forgiveness. And Paul Washer, another good man of God, said, We know that men are saved by repentance and faith. And whoever does call upon God, uh, the name of the Lord shall be saved. But salvation is a supernatural work of God that will always produce fruit. Always produce fruit. If you've got no fruit, you need to really start. And the evidence, he said, is not the cause. The evidence of fruit is not the cause, but the evidence of salvation is a changed life and a changing life we're not perfect right from the start but we're supposed to be changing so the closer we draw near to god through his word through prayer fasting meditation the more the lord humbles our hearts and the more we will start seeing amazing insights in his word jeremiah 33:3 says and i haven't got it up there sorry my notes may not match the slides Jeremiah thirty three three says, "Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know." God says, "Call on Him, and He's going to show us amazing things." In Proverbs twenty five two, sorry, okay. Thank you, Ben. Oh, wow, what's happening? Okay, there we go. Proverbs twenty-five two says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. God hides things in the scriptures. If you want to discover gold and gems on the, on the gem fields, you don't just kick the dirt and look on the surface. You dig deep. And that's what, in God's word, he's got many incredible gems hidden in the word, but he wants us to search for it. And 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, if we don't study, we will be ashamed and we won't be able to rightly divide the word of truth. That's why there's so much heresy and uh, weird doctrines in the church today. The more we study the word of God, the less we are going to be in error and deception And so God wants to show us amazing pictures in the Bible. And it's like looking at the ocean. If we just look on the surface, we see some beauty. But under that ocean, if you look deeper, there's other incredible beauty that we don't see just on the surface. We've got to go deeper. And that's what God wants us to do, to go deeper into his word and we'll discover amazing things. And the verses at the start in Matthew 26, 26 to 29, were about communion. And communion, we discover, and we'll discover, is a picture of us marrying the Lord and making a lifetime commitment to change, to fidelity, and to loyalty to the Lord, just as a husband and wife swear to on their marriage day. That's what communion is about, not just having a bit of bread and a bit of wine. Smith Wigglesworth, the great evangelist, called this the great exchange, communion. He said that's when we give our life to Jesus and he gives his life to us. So communion was a powerful declaration of the Lord's love and his intentions for us. But it's also a powerful declaration of Jesus' return. Jesus is coming back. It's something that's hardly ever talked about these days. And in 2 Corinthians one twenty, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. In other words, what God has promised, he will fulfill. God is not a liar. And so in the communion, Jesus gave a story, painted a picture, and the Bible is all about pictures. God's an amazing artist, and he wants us to see the pictures he's painted. So sometimes we've got to have a bigger view, have the bigger look. And communion has some amazing messages in it. So let me tell you a story. In Galilee, in the ancient times, in the time of Jesus, news is spreading in the town that there's going to be a betrothal, or what we call an engagement, at 10 a.m., And so people and strangers come from all parts of the city because they want to come and watch this betrothal. The gates of the city is where the elders sat and this is where laws were ratified, this is where agreements were made, this is where the elders decided things and judgments were made. And people wanted to be part of that because for them, one of the highlights of the city was an engagement ...and then a subsequent marriage. In ancient Jewish uh, tradition, a marriage is broken up into two pieces, two parts. One is called the betrothal, which we call an engagement... ...and the second part is called the uh, wedding ceremony... ...or the day of uh, the wedding feast, the consummation of the marriage. The real exciting part. The first part, the betrothal well, is called Kidushin and it means holy. It means holy. And so when a couple come together to get engaged, they are making themselves holy. Holy means being separated. And the girl is separating herself from every other man to be solely um, for her future groom. The guy is separating himself from every other woman being solely for his future bride. So a a betrothal is a pre-marriage covenant. So just like Isaac and Eden who celebrated their engagement last night, this was all about their upcoming day of marriage. And in in this meeting, the bride would be here with her father, And the groom would be with his father and they would read out some public promises. And the reason why they did it publicly was because saying something in public was a declaration and a a promise made with many witnesses. Many people would come to the engagement or the betrothal not to bring presents. It wasn't all about presents back then. It was all about witnesses. It was all about people who could witness. So the girl, if she said, well, you know, uh, later on when they got married and said, well, I didn't know that, you know, he was going to do this or that, the betrothal, they'll get out the betrothal and show that that was in the promises. You know, in in Acts, uh, I can't think where, um, we'd read about the apostle Peter being on the roof um, of the house of of Simon the Tanner's house and... uh, He's um, on the roof praying at midday, and if you know anything about a tanner, tanners uh, put manure on the skins, and uh, and the tannic acid in the manure would soften up the leather and all that kind of stuff. And of course, they didn't have factories and all that in little villages, so a tanner, he had the manure sitting in the corner of his house, and so in other words, his house stunk. So we can understand why Peter was up on the roof, and. A girl, if she said, well, I didn't know the house was going to stink so bad, it would have been in her ketuvah or her agreement that the the groom would have read out that he was a tanner and it would stink so she'd have to get used to it. So uh, an agreement was read out, which was basically a contract, which she um, either agreed to publicly or denied publicly. And so lots of people would attend and the reason why... Romans 10, 10 they would go to the city gates and Romans ten ten says it is with their heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved for them it was speaking was very powerful like Psalm 119 171 73 says may my lips overflow with praise for you teach me your decrees may my tongue sing of your word for all your commands are righteous may my hand be ready for to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. This person is declaring that he's chosen God's ways. And in Matthew twelve thirty six and 37, it says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. By your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So guess what? When we say good things about God, he expects our public commitment to him to be real and for which one day each one of us are going to be held accountable for. So when we sit and have communion and things like that and we say to God, you know, I'm going to follow you. I want you to be my everything. That's a public declaration that we're making to the Lord and we're going to be held accountable to that. And if Isaac and Eden could just come up here for one moment, please. I'm just going to do a little... Thing, and could somebody... Daniel, are you able to grab that... Oh, there you go. Thank you. It doesn't matter. Thank you, Riri. And if you want to stand over this side, Eden, and you stand this side, Isaac. When when a betrothal would happen and the parties would be here, the groom would... Ha- oh, thank you, Marty. I can give you this one if not. Um, the groom would first read out his contract publicly... So the future bride would hear it and she would uh, either agree or disagree. So some grooms, they might not be liked by the girl's parents. So some grooms' in-laws actually might be outlaws. So if that's the case, which we'll is only have a little bit of fun with this one, if that's the case, this is probably what the parents would have written for the groom to read out. Groom...
2: My beloved, you are such a beautiful, wonderful princess. You must have extraordinary and wonderful parents to have raised a beauty like you. And you are so gracious and loving that you would bother with a loser like me. (laughs) I can only hope I will somehow be as good and as nice As your parents are.
1: (laughs) Brownie points. But in reality, in reality, the groom would read out a a contract. It's called a ketuva. In Hebrew, it just simply means writing. And he'd read out the ketuva. And part of that would be stating the witnesses there. Part of that would be stating the finances for the girl and this is basically
2: what he would read out. In the presence of and in the name of the Lord, or of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I ask you to be my wife according to the practice of, Mo- practice of Moses and Israel. And I pledge I will cherish, honor, support, and maintain you according to the custom of Jewish husbands, who cherish, honor, support, and maintain their wives faithfully. And I here present you with the marriage gift of virgins... 200 silver coins, which belong to you according to the law of Moses in Israel. And I will also give you your food, clothing, and necessities, and live with you as husband and wife according to the universal custom.
1: Thank you. And So he's promising the bride everything, and she would um, accept that. And God's marriage proposal to his people was done on Mount Sinai his ketuvah was the ten commandments god chose the church and in john 15:16 his ketuvah his his marriage agreement to us is the new testament and when god's people at mount sinai when god proposed to them with the ten commandments what did they say they said we will hear and we will do or affirming in the singular i do and that's what we say at weddings today i do this is what we're saying to the Lord every time we have communion, I do. And then, if you could bring the, the wine, please. And then the father of the groom would pour out a glass of wine and then the groom would lovingly hand this glass of wine to the future bride. Just don't, don't get it yet. Yeah. And now, his, even though he spoke, the bride speaks without saying a word because it's up to her now to partake of this wine if she says no and pushes it back <laughs> then there's no marriage there's no agreement but if she sips the wine if she sips the wine she agrees to this contract and a wedding is set so would you like to have a sip of the wine agreeing to the engagement last night and pass it back to your man Do I get to drink it now? you get to drink it No, no, that's why i put some rum in it for you. (laughs) So, and now that shows that these people are now legally married. Even though they're not consummated the marriage yet. um, They haven't consummated the marriage yet, but they are legally married. Remember when Joseph wanted to put Mary away because she was pregnant? And he wanted to do it quietly because to annul this engagement, you had to get a certificate of divorce. It was, you had to go through the courts and say, I want this annulled. And you would do it at the city gates in front of everybody. And so Joseph was in a quagmire about Mary because he wanted to put her away quietly. And we won't get to all the other parts, but just one other part, a little bit of bread. He would break the bread. Get rid of the glass, thank you. He would break the bread. This, in some cultures they do this, in some cultures they don't. So he would break the bread and give a piece to his bride... Thank you. And both of you guys would eat it, partake of the bread. And what they're doing is very symbolic. They're saying between us there is a covenant of trust. And you guys can sit down after that. Thank you very much. for your, Can you give them a hand? Great work. There is a covenant of trust and integrity between us. What they're saying when they share that bread is what's mine is yours. What is in you is now also in me, the same bread. So now we have unity. We are one. We have a common union, a communion. And that's what communion is. When we break the bread and share the bread with the Lord, we are saying, Lord, we are one with you. We have a common union. Lord, we are in a covenant relationship with you. We are one. And many of us many times struggle to be one with the Lord because we're more one with their flesh than with the world. But that's what we do. Every time we have communion, we are saying, I do, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to give you my everything. I want to be part of that great exchange. I want to give you my life because I'm accepting your life. This is what a believer is. He changes his lifestyle to follow Jesus. You know one of the things that the uh, groom says after he has the wine he says to her I won't drink of this wine again until the day I drink it new in my father's house because later there's a consummation and they would go to the father's house just like Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 26:29 I will not drink from this fruit of the vine until the day I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. This whole communion thing is all a picture about us marrying the Lord. We are currently in the engagement period with Jesus. But one day he said, and when he leaves the bride, he says, I'm going home now to my father's house to prepare a place for you. In the Middle East, you'll see many houses, especially in Jordan, not so much in Israel today, but in Jordan, you'll see houses that don't look finished, there's, a bit of scaffolding and um, uh, cement things, and that looking like um, it, the building's not finished. But that's set up for when the son brings his wife home, and he builds a new room on the father's house. So just as Jesus said, "In my father's house are many mansions," and I go to prepare a place for you. That's what the Lord is doing, and we are waiting for Him. And there's many other things that I wanted to get to but i'm just going to close with this there's a promise that he would return and in 1 Thessalonians 4:17 to 18 there's a promise that the lord it says for the Lord himself would descend from heaven and with a loud command and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. After that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We are going to see Jesus one day. He is coming back one day. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But the Lord told us that we would know the season. And if I said and showed you that I could prove that God was coming back at the end of March this year, what would you change? What would you really change? I'm sure one of us would stop doing some of the things that we do. We can't make up for the past, but we can change the future. We've got to remember that we are all going to come back the lord one day rather he's coming back to get us and in the jewish manner of things jewish tradition it might take 10 months or 12 months but one night the husband would come back only the father knows when he would let the son come back when the house is complete and one night he would come back and take the bride when she least expected it and take her to his house and while she waited she got ready she, she perfected herself in beauty. She looked after herself, probably lost a bit of weight or whatever. Um, did all these things and did kind acts. And she wore a veil to say to men, eyes off, I'm taken. I don't um, have no interest in anyone else except my future husband. And she would do kind acts to show the goodness of her husband, like the woman of valor in Proverbs 31 Every one of us should be beautifying ourselves for the Lord. Every one of us should be showing the beauty of our Lord by the kind and gracious acts we do to others. Are we getting ready for the Lord? Maybe some of us haven't even thought about it. Maybe some of us thought it wasn't necessary. But I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. He promised he's coming back and he's coming back soon. So may every one of us think about how we can beautify ourselves, how we can make our influence more beautiful to others, how we can be a blessing and one day be received by Jesus our Lord. I ask you to close your eyes. Maybe you've struggled like every one of us struggle to walk for the lord but it's never too late to start committing a better life a changed life to walk for god today so i ask you will you will you affirm that you want to follow jesus will you affirm that you do want to be one with the lord that you want to walk his ways not our ways If you're thinking that it's time to start action it's time to be real if you really want to change in your life and if you want the lord to start helping to change you i ask you to just put your hand up the lord will see it no one else is going to see it put your hand up and say yes lord i really do want to change i really do want to be one with you i really do want to follow you so i'm going to just count to three I ask you to put your hand up in faith to follow the Lord if that's what you want. No more playing church. No more playing goody Christian, putting on a show on a Sunday and living like the devil the rest of the week. It's time we all changed. It's time we became beautiful in the spirit. So I ask you to put your hand up and say, Lord, I really do want you. I really do want to change. I'm counting to three. Your time with God. One and two and three. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.